fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past Read that comes to life. Hillbillies with a knack for everything that goes bump at night. Overthinking if you by yourself, these two will have you turning on the lights. Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right. Hey, welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now here's your hosts, Jerry and Tracy Paul, Heather Dog Ninja, and sometimes their cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hey, this is Nick Roth, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 326 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, as usual, we want to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants of our allied forces all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thanks you to all you guys, gals, and service animals for everything you do for us every day. Yes, God bless you guys so much. We don't know what we would do without you for sure. Keep you all in our prayers every single day, and hopefully you guys can come home for the holidays, I hope. I know what we would do without you. We would probably get mugged. We would probably, our houses would burn down, and we'd just have to sit and watch. Mm. Uh, We would um, have uh, broken legs and stuff, and nobody to come tend to them. That's what we'd do without you. (laughs) That's a lot of stuff. I mean, when you think about it, that's how important all those people are. No, they are are very important. It's stuff that most people take for granted, and we don't. Absolutely. Tracy, it's it's, a lot of people are super excited about this time of year. It's Halloween, and everybody's spooky season. They've got their pumpkins all out and jack-o'-lanterns and stuff. But it's also a time to remember that it's not super cheery for everybody. Some people really struggle during the holidays, even Halloween uh, that's, you know, not thought about like the regular holidays. People think of the hol- holiday season as Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving uh, around here anyway. But, I mean, people struggle all year long, especially as we get into this season. This really is the start of the holiday season with Halloween. And uh, people that have uh, anxiety or depression or other uh, illnesses that they're coping with really struggle during these times. And we just want people to know that we're there for you. If you need us, you can give us a call. You can contact us via email or uh, Facebook. And uh, we'll be glad to try to talk to you if you just need somebody to listen. Of course. And our group is theirs. So everybody support each other, love each other. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask to talk. Don't be afraid to do that at all because we're all there for you. If you want to go the other route, you can call 988 or you can text us 741-741. But let's just all be there for each other for support. And Tracy, we're, we're recording this a little bit early because we're getting ready to go to ScareFest for three days where yes. we're set up. First time we've been set up there in five years. Robert Gosh, England. Has it been that yes. Oh. Robert England will be there. He was there the last time. The mm-hmm. last time he was there was the same, last time we set up. It's coincidence. Oh, that's very. Yeah, I, I hate didn't to think he's, that. I hate to think he's creeping on us and just following us around everywhere we go. <laughs> you think that's what it is? <laughs> Might be. Lance Heinrichson to be there from Pumpkinhead and Millennial and Near Dark and a bunch of other stuff. Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, he is actually one of my favorites. So I'm super excited about meeting him. Uh, all kinds of, of other people. D. Wallace from mm-hmm. Cujo and E.T. will be there. Man, 
Kane Holder, he's at every single event ever done. Yeah, yeah. It's, Kane Holder, there could be three events going on this weekend in three different parts of the country, and he's somehow at all of them. I, I don't know, know how I don't that know, happens. I don't know how he does it. Of course, but... he was he was Jason Voorhees in some uh-huh, of the movies. And... Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, great people that are going to be there, all the vendors. It's a really nice setup this year. And, you know, if you guys get a chance to come out, come on out. Yep, and uh, Patrick, I drew a blank on his last name. The guy that was in the Terminator movie, the the guy that yeah. was silver that turned into liquid yeah. and turned into the cop and all that, he's going to be there. I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be really cool. And then a bunch of our uh, people like, uh, shoot, Paranormal, the, all the guys, Jason Halls and uh, Tango and all them from Ghost Hunters are going to be there. Dave Schrader is going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be a really cool. Yeah, we'll, it's we'll going to be, be a lot of fun. So if you hear this, don't go try to buy tickets because uh, you will hear this after the event already ends on Sunday. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> again, you're not the target audience, <laughs> but uh, it's fun. So, Tracy, it's been a while since we've done a good poltergeist story. So I thought, why not do one now? It's the well, perfect time of year for it. Always. This is an older case, but I found it very interesting. And I've actually heard about this case before. And I think maybe on one of the shorts, we might have touched on one of these, this this case. Uh, But if we did, it was nowhere near the level of this one. Because I found out a lot more information on this than I've ever heard. And I've heard the story a couple of times, but not with as much detail as I found out researching it. So hopefully we'll add a little, uh, if you guys are semi-familiar with the story, maybe you'll get something new out of this one. Good. All right. This one happened in March 1850. It took place in Stratford, Connecticut, more specifically the Elm Street Mansion. How fitting. That is very fitting. That was the home of Presbyterian Reverend Elikium Phelps. Elikium. I like that word. Uh, And I'm sure that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. I don't know. It could be... Like Elikium, I think it's Elikium. I looked it up, but nobody really pronounces his first name. They just mm-hmm. always say Reverend Phelps. So, oh, okay. Because <laughs> they probably couldn't figure out how to pronounce it either. <laughs> that particular home had been built earlier in the century by a very eccentric sea captain by the name of George R. Dowell. Now, I point that out because he had the house built to the same layout of the clipper ship that he had once been on. That the he ship, once captured. did you say? Yeah. Okay. So the house was built in the same layout of the ship. Wow. That he was on. So there's not a lot of houses that are built like that. No. Regardless of what it was, it was beautiful and an impressive home. Now, Phelps loved the home. He was newly remarried to a younger woman with three children of her own, and he thought this was the ideal location for his new family. The Phelps arrived in Stratford in 1948, and soon they had a child all of their own, a joint child. A joint child. Now, we said Mr. Phelps loved it. Miss Phelps, on the other hand, not so much. She hated the small town life of Stratford. She liked the bigger city. Excuse me. That was my stomach. Did you hear that? Sorry. (laughs) Well, you know, some people don't like to be country girls. Oh, we did bring up one time about Lance Hendrickson being an alien, and you're already trying to make it happen. Oh, my gosh. I know. I'm sorry about that, y'all. Her oldest daughter, Anna, wasn't a big fan either. Matter of fact, Anna was always a nervous child, but now she seemed to be always a little bit upset about something. 
All right. For those who know about poltergeist, you'd already know what's coming. It always involves a kid that's upset. The funny thing is, we're really not going to talk much about her. Okay. And a lot of times in these stories, it's like you focus on the one child, mm -hmm. but we're really not. Okay. And uh, I mean, well, I mean, other than other than mentioning her, the focus really isn't going to be much on her. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be the unusual part of this poltergeist story. So technically, Tracy, in ghost talk. The sheet is getting ready to hit the fan. <laughs> nice. One evening in March, one of Mr. Phelps' old friends stopped by for a little visit. Sometime during the course of the, of the evening, though, the two got into the subject of spiritualism. Now, neither man had any strong feelings either way, so they decided, hey, you know what? Let's have a seance just to see what would happen. Well, basically, not a lot happened. A few random knocks and... Some vague rapping sounds. Nothing to persuade either one of them that the spirit world had actually paid a visit to their sense. Yeah, kind of dull. Therefore, it was quickly forgotten. Now, it was only later that, that Reverend Phelps would wonder if somehow something had been attracted by the seance that they held. You see, that Sunday, the family arrived back home from church to find the home in disarray. All of the house's doors had been flung open. Now, Phelps knew that he personally had locked all of the doors when they left. And, and I'm not just talking the outside doors. All the inside doors were all open. They would typically shut all the doors when yeah. they leave the house. Yeah. Just, all to think the, all, just to think that your whole house was open that anybody just could walk in. and Right. Well, it's the 1940s. I can't imagine it was as big a deal then as it would have well, been Well, yeah, you're probably right about that. All of the windows were also open. They probably had a nice breeze, though, blowing through there. For real? The furniture had all been moved. Other possessions were scattered all over the floor, but nothing was missing. There was no sign of a robbery whatsoever. So it's kind of odd. Somebody yeah, just came in yeah. and made your life, you know, annoying for a couple of hours. Just didn't like how they had their furniture arranged. They soon found themselves wishing that it had been a burglary. Oh, wow, yeah, I'm sure, because then it's gotten scary. <laughs> because what they did discover upstairs in one of the bedrooms was utterly chilling. A nightgown had been laid out on the bed. A pair of stockings laid at the hem of the nightgown as if it was to represent legs. The arms had been crossed on the nightgown as if it was a person who was deceased ready to be laid to rest. Ooh, that, that is creepy. Nuh-uh. The family went about straightening up the mess while questioning what in the world could have possibly happened. Now, obviously, this was the work of a prankster. That's the way that they felt. Who else would have broke in, left all the doors open, and, and laid out a dress and a mm -hmm. pair of stockings and, and made it look like a person? That just, why else would somebody do that other than a prank? The entire family was scheduled to be back at church, though, a little later that afternoon. But Mr. Phelps decided that he would send the family without him to church, which he's the reverend, you would think. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. yeah why would you do that? <laughs> but he decided that he was going to stay behind, hide in one of the rooms with his gun, because he came up with the, the notion that if this was a prankster, it's probably over. But if it wasn't a prankster, let's say it was, it was an actual burglar, maybe he'd been scared off and had to leave early without getting the stuff, and that's why nothing was taken. And if that's the case, 
the burglar would know that the house would soon be empty because they'd be back at church. Well, I wonder who preached the sermon. I don't know. They probably had deacons or something. Oh. I don't even know that there was a sermon on Sunday night. It might have just been like potluck gathering or something. I mean, I don't know. There might not have been anything like that. But okay. don't. either ways, he says he figures if there's a burglar that's going to come back, he'll know the house is empty and they'll come back and he's going to be there to catch him. So he's waiting for the return. And after waiting for what seemed like an eternity, Reverend Phelps came out of his hiding place and he decided to walk around the house. When he walked into the dining room, he was shocked to find 11 women. These women made no sound when they entered the house and were completely silent right now. Some were standing, some were sitting, some were praying, some were kneeling, and some were studying the Bible. Like real people? Well, that's the thing. None of them were real. All of these women had been created from the family's own wardrobe. There were dresses stuffed with rags and other clothing, and each of them were made and posed as the reverend sat one room away. What in the world? Reverend Phelps was completely baffled. He put away all the clothes, and the rest of the, the day and the evening was completely quiet. Nothing went on. Did he tell his wife? I oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, the next morning, all hell broke loose. The entire family witnessed items raise off of the ground or the table and take flight all over the house. An umbrella shot 25 feet across the room. Knives, bowls, ornaments, and pens seemed to possess a mind of their own. I hope that umbrella didn't open. They don't need no bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was their concern. The bedding literally tore itself off of the beds and ended up in different rooms. And this went on all morning and all afternoon. They stayed there the whole time, huh? Yes. Things finally started to calm down as the evening fell. But this was only going to be temporary because the next morning there was more of the same. Well, you know, the... Ghosts have to have the rest. To, you yeah. <laughs> if I don't get my eight hours, I can't haunt nobody. That's right. Reverend Phelps contacted one of his friends, a retired reverend by the name of John Mitchell. Now, he had Reverend Mitchell come by the house, and he watched in amazement as the turmoil ensued. Now, even though he witnessed this with his own eyes, he was convinced that there was some kind of pranking going on. He did not think this was the work of the supernatural. I mean, well, what do you think it is? Well, he believed it was either the work of the children or the housekeeper playing some type of pranks. Okay, how can they make clothes? Look, he, he needs to go away because he's done. <laughs> well, the other reason he thought this was because he felt like that the whatever was happening, all the events that were happening were, were growing more and more rambunctious as... The kids, as he thought it was, or the housekeeper, saw that it was affecting the adults, so they were ramping things up. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So he suggested that the family send the children to the neighbor's house, leaving just him and Reverend and Mrs. Phelps in the house. So just the three adults. Well, wouldn't you know it, Reverend Mitchell was wrong. 
The kids were gone, and all the stuff was still happening all over the house. Duh. Day after day, the Phelps would tidy up, and day after day, the unwanted visitor would quickly untidy it. <laughs> That's annoying. Much like Ninja snoring in the background. <laughs> True story. <laughs> <laughs> the group of women made of clothing would reappear, sometimes double and even triple in numbers of the 11 that he saw the first time. Wow. They must have had a bunch of women's clothes in that house, is all I can say, to make 30 fake women. Yep. So you got to have 30 different outfits. Then you have to be able to stuff them with stuff. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, and you don't want them to wear the same outfit day after day. <laughs> <laughs> According to the New Haven Journal, so many figures were constructed that it would not have been possible for a half dozen women working steadily for hours to have completed their design. And these things were happening almost instantly. It says, yet these things happened in a short space of time with the whole house on the watch. On one occasion, no fewer than 30 shockingly lifelike mannequins were arranged in exquisite poses under the family's very nose. So how about that? That's, I mean, it's unbelievable, honestly, but very cool. Some of the manifestations were so silly that it was almost laughable. Yeah. Like, like one time, a potato just appeared on the breakfast table where <laughs> no potato had been before. <laughs> I'm sure sometime they had been on the table as mashed, baked. Right. Sounds to me like they were just asking for hash browns. <laughs> Other times, items that were in a locked room upstairs would fall at the feet of a family member that was downstairs. So just think if you had a whatnot or something that was upstairs, yeah. just on a shelf in a locked room. Now all of a sudden you're standing somewhere and you hear something that your feet drop and you look and there it is. Like it materialized out of thin air. Yeah, I think I'd be moving out of that house already. I'd be getting tired of cleaning it up. <laughs> Sometimes vases or knickknacks would fly across the room as if it was hurled. Other times it would move so slowly as if it was in unseen hands being walked Gently across the room. <laughs> All of these events were witnessed by several different people. Some were skeptics, some were investigators, and some were just curiosity speakers that were drawn to the house by the word of mouth that was starting to spread. Most of these people, though, felt that the Phelps were somehow responsible for what was happening. But none of them could explain how. I mean, how could you? You can't even explain that. You, I mean... Especially if they're standing down there with you and things are... That's why when they're skeptics, and I understand being skeptic, but when you hear a story like this that's got so many witnesses... Yeah. And or the house at 966 Lindley Street that had so many witnesses that were firemen and policemen. Mm -hmm. These were reverends uh, and, and then other people. you got so many people that see something like that. How can you say stuff like this doesn't exist? No, it makes absolutely no sense. Like I said, especially when those people are standing down... With you. Mm-hmm. Reverend Phelps' son from his first marriage, Austin, was a professor at Andover Theological Seminar. His brother, Abner, was a Massachusetts legislator. Now, they both felt that there was some sort of trickery involved. Neither of the boys had approved of their father's marriage. They didn't like the fact that he married her, so I don't know why they would have felt that that would have created some kind of trickery. But No, I don't either. 
So they felt like they were grown, right? Yeah, they were grown. So they felt that the new wife had to be involved in all this somehow, some way, but they would soon change their tune. There was some knocking happening at the front door. Now, both sons were convinced that they would catch the prankster. So here's what they did. One stood on the outside of the door and the other stood on the inside of the door. Okay. Well, the banging and the knocking continued, even though neither could see who was causing it. <laughs> New activity started to happen. Silverware became bent and twisted. Windows shattered. More effigies. More flying objects. But the haunting was no longer content with inanimate objects. Anna was a regular target for vicious slaps and pinches from the entity. Now, I said we wasn't going to mention Anna much. She's the one that had all the animosity yeah. and, and all that. And that's really the only thing that we really see. Usually, they're a lot more centrally figured. Mm -hmm. But when it did start working on people, she was the one that got the grunt of it. I said sure, the brunt of it. Not the the brunt. brunt, yeah, not the grunt. She might have been grunting, too, but it's the <laughs> brunt of it. <laughs> on one occasion, she awoke in the middle of the night, and she had a pillow taped to her face as if it was trying to suffocate her. Well, tack on it. And then Henry, her brother, was regularly thrown from his bed or pelted with stones. Tack on this thing is mean. <laughs> on one scary occasion, in front of several witnesses, young Henry was lifted far enough off the ground that his head touched the ceiling. Then he was promptly dropped Smashing into the ground. Another so time... they staying in this house? <laughs> another time, Henry disappeared from the house and was later found tied up in a tree outside. What? <laughs> On other occasions, Henry suffered burns and was even dunked in the cistern water. I mean, I probably guess it felt good, especially after you did, you know, the burn thing. It got burnt and dunked <laughs> in some water. I guess you have to kind of look at it in a good way. There was also... A hanging attempt made on the boy. Oh, wow. Now, this made several witnesses thinking about an event that happened in the city's past. There was a young lady by the name of Goody Bassett. She had been hanged close to where this house was built. This was way back in 1651. She was hanged for being a witch. This was exactly two centuries earlier. She she came back for revenge, I guess. I mean, that's what they were thinking. Could this be who's behind these attacks? Well, Reverend Mitchell attempted to make contact with the spirit. He tried to communicate through active letter writing. But apparently, he got nothing of interest or that confirmed that there was ever a ghost of Goody Bassett that was affecting the family any way, shape, or form. A seance, though, had better results. This conjured up a spirit that claimed to be a tormented soul enduring the tortures of hell as a consequence of a sinful life. So there you go, you get that. When Phelps asked what he could do to help, the spirit asked for a piece of pumpkin pie. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Phelps figured that he probably misheard, so he asked again and the spirit then asked for a glass of gin. Ooh, gin and pumpkin pie. I was thinking the same thing. That's gross. When Phelps again asked why the spirit was haunting them, it replied, for fun. 
see for fun. You know, they get bored. Well, the family couldn't take anymore. Phelps made plans for the family to return to Philadelphia, and they closed up the house until the following spring. They came back the next spring, and the house was completely calm, and the spirit was never heard from again. Well, no way. So when it was all said and done, they feel like people looking back now, not necessarily the family at the time, but people looking back now feel like that it was poltergeist activity that was still caused by their daughter, Anna. I guess after he uh, admitted to it was just for fun, it wouldn't be fun to do anymore because people, he, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, he's just doing it for fun. So, Well, but they moved right after that anyway. So, it, I mean, if you want to look at it from a poltergeist, true poltergeist standpoint, you know, maybe Anna didn't like the place. Mm-hmm. Um, she was as at that age. Yes. And all of a sudden her dislike and her being ticked off about everything all the time that it said, it just caused stuff. Even when they were next door, that's close enough where you could probably still cause something. Yeah, yeah. So the that, energy. you know, and then they move. She's probably happy. So when they came back to the house to just not move there, but to open it up, yeah, maybe there wasn't anything there because she wasn't there to cause it. Or because she was happy now, so there was no reason to cause it. That, that's very true. So if you believe in true t- true poltergeist um, situations, then that would explain why they went away. So who knows? Well, now you can't have fun no more. <laughs> Got to find somebody else to bug, I guess. Well, and you know, the thing of it is, if you, a, an actual poltergeist in, in these situations... They're not really entities anyway. Mm-hmm. They're they're just things that are caused by the the troubled teenager's mind. They're projecting that, and it happens. Got you. So there, even if that's the case, it, it was never just a ghost to begin with. It was. Mm-hmm. It might be it was her having fun. Well, that's true. <laughs> but she was also getting slapped and getting pinched. Yeah, I'm pretty and sure she didn't want uh, none of that happening. She's trying on to choke her, her brother and yeah. tie him up in trees and yeah. all that. Yeah. Oh. All right, Tracy, we are going to take a quick break. I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but we have an interview with Draven Despain, who was actually with us at Bobby Mackey's. So anybody who's listening that went to Bobby Mackey's, you got to hear Draven for a little bit. He talked for a little bit, not much, but you'll get to hear him in detail coming up here. And I think you guys will find this fascinating. Sounds great. We'll definitely be doing more with Draven in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. All right, Tracy, live events are all done. We're done. We don't have any more for the year. Working on stuff for next year, and when that becomes available, we'll let everybody know. But uh, for right now, nothing. Nothing that's public anyway. Yeah, that's going to be weird. Doing all these stuff and shows, and it's like, bam. Yeah. I will say that the only thing that I can mention, it's, and it doesn't cost anything, the Bath County Library here in Kentucky asked us if we would come speak 7 o'clock this Friday night, the 28th, I think it is. Um, they asked us if we would come speak. Uh, so that's open to the public. So if you're in Bath County or close to it and you want to come check us out, we're going to come up there and share some ghost stories and stuff with our Halloween event. Yeah, it sounds fun, hon. So, all right. So what do you got on iTunes and reviews this week? We have Trent from New Zealand. Thank you, Trent, for your awesome review. We appreciate you so much. And our good old Mojo Lobster never lets us down. We love you, sweetheart. And our Patreons is Amy Bowie. I hope I said that right. Amy, thank you so much for your support, doll. We appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Let's get on with our Halloween stuff. Draven to Spain. All right. All right, guys. 
Hey guys, I have excited to have a, a return guest. I've got a Draven Despain. And uh, Draven, you were on the show once before. You're actually going to be emceeing and talking a little bit at our Bobby Mackey's uh, live event that we're having. So I appreciate both of the, of the uh, favors of, of coming on the show and doing that show for us. No problem. Thanks for having me. So Draven, you got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of video stuff you're working on. Uh, I know you've you've done some personal work with Bishop James Long, who's obviously a friend of the show. What are you, tell me, give me an idea of what's going on in your life right now. Okay, well, here's a little bit into Draven's life, I guess. Well, right now I'm currently doing investigations and I'm doing a lot of home cases, helping people. And I'm still doing scientific study of known paranormal places. But I like to go to unknown places because the problem is, looks like Waverly Hills. I love Waverly Hills. So I'm not really ditching any place at all. I encourage people to go there and check the place out. It's a really neat place. But if you go to a place over and over and over, the spirits there have a tendency to want to attach themselves to guests and people that come and go and they leave. So sometimes the place is not very active. People don't seem to think about stuff like that sometimes. And uh, so when you go to new places that's been unexplored, where there's been a recent death or a murder and things like that, the activity is through the roof, but it can be very dangerous too. So I'm very thankful that Bishop James has been able to help me and teach me the proper way, how to handle things given the situation, because some cases, some people can get hurt or they show up and try to help them and just makes it worse. Cause they're not really aware of what's really going on. They're there for their own benefit. And I don't think, that is something that should be done or be, is going on. I don't really like what's going on. And I think that's where me and Bishop James kind of connected. And uh, we had the same vision that we wanted to actually help people for the right reasons. But in nowadays, social media is the best way to advertise yourself to get more people to help you and for more people to see you and reach out to you. You just can't say, hey, who's this Draven guy? You know, you got to advertise yourself. Hey, I'm here to help. So uh, it seems to be working. And uh, I got really fortunate. I met a great line of people. And I was able to film a mini series called Paranormal Frequency over the summer, which is going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be coming out next year, hopefully, without any issues. Uh, sometimes with COVID, things like that, dates get set back. But uh, so far, everything looks good. And currently, I'm working on a new project, which is called Paranormal Video. And I'm going to be investigating the paranormal and I'm going to be going to residential and commercial places and unknown explored places, a lot of caves to uh, explore the paranormal. And everybody's going to get to see what I go through and enjoy the ride with me. So uh, hopefully sometimes we'll be able to do live episodes and streams where people will be able to interact and see that, you know, it's really happening. What's going on? A lot of ghost hunters and ghost shows get the bad reputation of being fake, but Unless you're there in person and experience it, you really can't understand how significant or how scary it can be. So I'm sure that you've been in some situations yourself where you've been just, you didn't even know what to think. Yeah, normally it involves my cat in the middle of the night because he just goes ballistic sometimes for no reason. But uh, paranormal-wise, yeah, that's scary too, but not as scary as the cat. <laughs> I don't know. I've been on some scary stuff. Um, I had a lot of high expectations and I go into every case sometimes a little overconfident, but we just recently interviewed the North Carolina battleship 
and uh, with a good friend of mine, Mark, that's uh, was a fellow classmate with Bishop James Long, and uh, he's a great guy. And uh, we had a lot of fun, but there were some things I experienced in North Carolina Battleship that was uh, <laughs> actually very scary because, um, you know, it's nothing like you see in horror films and ghosts come out and attack and things like that, but it's the scientific data that you can't wrap your head around that makes you question things. And, you know, it's just weird shit happens. We was, uh, I don't know, it was maybe like 11 o'clock at night. We're on the battleship in the main area getting our gear ready. And uh, I go to use the restroom, and there's nobody on the ship. At this time, everybody's on the other side. Well, right in my ear, I swear, someone whispers, and they say something like, is that enough? Or something like that. And, it, you know, that's just like, you know that you heard it, but there's no one there, and it just freaks you out. And then uh, we started hearing a woman singing. So there was a woman singing. And when we asked what year it was on the EVP, we got back, it says 1973. Hmm. So that was pretty wild. And uh, I had a lot of fun with that experience. I know Mark, uh, he said that they never experienced anything like that. And he's with, uh, he's been with the paranormal for, I don't know, at least longer than I have. So, He's uh, pretty well known in his area. And for him to be that scared and freaked out, it was uh, it was a definitely a different experience for me. I know I saw a clip on the news where I guess they had uh, they had done a little segment on you guys being out at the battleship. Yeah, that was actually pretty cool. They um, We just happened to be out there at the right time, and I was getting ready to get everything set up and interview people because we were going to start filming that night. And the news was there. And they met me and they thought that what we were doing was so cool that they made us the, the main story of the week, I guess. So that was that was pretty exciting. And uh, it was good publicity. But most of all, I was just glad that we got to have fun. Actually, one of the camera crew operators from the news joined us on the investigation and uh, they videotaped the whole thing. So we actually had a whole nother camera crew come in and videotape on top of that. So we got advertisement and a free camera crew. So, oh, they can't beat that. No, they let us keep the footage too. So we had all of our footage from our cameras plus their footage. So that was extra footage. Anytime you're doing an investigation, the more video or data that you can collect, the better. And uh, some of the best evidence that we had was just from reviewing the footage Oh, we had a live EVP that wasn't from the sound recorder that we actually picked up through the camera microphone, which is pretty, pretty wild. The guys are going to love it when you hear that. You know, and, and some people might remember this, but you were the actual first guest we ever had recorded live with us in our studio. We've still oh, only wow, had really? like we still, we've still only had three people ever come to the studio and record live, but you you and uh, Rodney were the first. Yeah, we had a blast doing that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, hanging out with you and your wife, and just seeing your cool studio. I mean, I love your studio. It's like it's so cool. I got my setup, but uh, yours is a lot neater than mine. That's for sure. Yeah, we've added a lot since you've been here, so it just it keeps looks getting bigger cool. and bigger. Well, so, uh, Sunday you'll have that drawing you can hang up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Uh, Draven is an, an accomplished artist, and uh, he drew a picture, uh, a pencil drawing of, of Tracy and myself, and it's pretty badass. So 
uh, I'm kind of excited to get that hung up in here. And that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to get hung up in here. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I've always been in the art. Um, that's one of the things I do during my investigations is I will draw the things that I see sometimes. But you have to be careful. And I don't really show a lot of people because looking at those things and becoming aware of them, you can actually manifest them. So it uh, can be dangerous. So let me ask you this. You've obviously been through some training with Bishop Long. What was the point of the training? Uh, what what were you hoping to learn? What have you learned through him? Well, what I was hoping to learn was basically how to learn things the right way. Uh, James has actually been a friend in the family for a while. Um, a lot of I don't know if a lot of people know this, but he used to be a famous Elvis impersonator. He can sing very beautifully. He sounds just I like Elvis. I had no clue. He sounds just like Elvis. He is an he has an amazing voice. He he's a pretty cool guy. And um, well, my parents they were the Cool Cat Cruisers DJs with the Odie Station, and they did all the Carl Casper shows and Hot Rod shows and conventions. Well, they met uh, James at one of those events because he was doing Elvis. And my dad had him come out in the pink Cadillac and look cool and do all that stuff. And ever since then, they all just kind of knew each other. And then when me and James had met, you know, talking about the paranormal, um, we just reconnected. He was like, hey, my I'm like my parents are blah, blah, blah. He's like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah. And uh, he remembered me when I was a lot younger and we just reconnected. And I just I needed help because I had gotten a case where this woman was supposedly I'm sorry, she was possibly being possessed. And um, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to contact or look something up and do the wrong thing. I knew that I could trust him and that he had the credibility. So I went in the direction and I guess I was lucky. He took me under his wing and I've learned a lot from him. And you have to learn how to do things and respect things the right way. If you don't, like I said earlier, you can hurt people or make things worse for yourself. And uh, I think that's important that we do things the proper way and the correct way. You know, people, when you say the word exorcist, people tend to, um, some people, I won't say all, some people tend to roll their eyes. You know, oh, there's nobody possessed and this and that, but there's way more to it. I mean, I've had the privilege to talk to several bona fide exorcists, uh, Bishop James Long being one of them, Father Gary Thomas, the, the, the movie The Right was based off of. And when you've talked to somebody who really knows what they're doing and they take that job 100 percent serious. I mean, I I've worked on situation uh, um, cases that I called Bishop Long in on. And I mean, it's not as simple as, you know, oh, okay, well, let's come out there and let's get it done. I mean, no, I can't, put, it can take months. Well, and, and, you know, we, there's so many checks and balances because obviously you're wanting to check on mental stability of the person. So, mm -hmm. you know, I know Bishop Long has a, a, a group out of Florida that, that vets these people and, and gives them uh, some tests and stuff like that to kind of see where they're at mentally and then at the same time, you have to make sure that if you are going out to this person's house, that they're safe. They're not going to just, you know, he told me a story one time, uh, Bishop Long, about somebody that he was out at their house and, and they just randomly just picked up a knife and started stabbing cabinets and stuff with it. And that 
caught him out of the blue. And that's, you don't want to find yourself in that kind of situation. So it's no, you don't, um, you have to be very careful of proceeding, moving forward. There's been a couple, a couple, a couple of times when I've talked to some people and I was like, I had to send them to somebody else because no offense to those people. Sometimes sadly, they're just, they're just not all there, you know? Um, but yeah, it could take it could take months. You got to have a doctor to do a psychological evaluation. You got to see if they got a history of any drug abuse. They got any mental issues that runs in the family. Have they recently had any traumas? Things like that. Also, is there any bad wiring in the house that can be causing any type of mental illnesses? Things like that can happen too. So, you know, there was a case. Me and Rodney knew this guy, and it just turns out that it was wiring around his house that was just giving them migraines and headaches and causing them to be paranoid, things like that. So um, it's always important anytime you do an investigation that you do things correctly. And a lot of investigators, they don't ask people like the right questions. They just come in there and they go, it was demons and blah, blah, blah. You know, they don't ask them all these important questions. I think they should. So that's why they answered your question. That's why I hooked up with James because James teaches me how to do things correctly. But also, I'm pretty fortunate that I know Keith Age. I've known Keith Age ever since I was, I don't know, maybe 15 years old. I'm 40 now. So yeah, Keith's been doing this a long time. Yeah, well, him, his son, uh, Jason, and me grew up. We were best friends. And I basically just lived with Keith for years. And he was just like my uncle. And he still kind of is, really. Um, anytime that he's doing something, I show up. He's always giving me a hug, gives me a T-shirt, and the whole nine yards so he's a great guy anytime i have any issues or problems that i need uh more scientific i ask him he's always been very helpful and i've heard from other people that he speaks highly of me which makes me very proud because i've spent a long time hoping and just trying to get to his level because he's kind of inspired me to uh you know to help people and do stuff he was the only yeah. person that I knew. So it was a great opportunity. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, he's, he's the Waverly Hills expert in, in the area. He's, you know, done so much video and stuff. Obviously you got the booth brother stuff and, you know, he's got, uh, I think had something to do with spooked when that was out death tunnel. I mean, he, he knows yeah, that's some, his it's stuff. Awesome stuff. He's getting ready to be in a convention with James on the 16th in South Carolina, which is, uh, pretty cool we'll be at bobby mackey's and though i guess they'll be there at that convention so they get to, i don't know how long has it been since they've seen each other in person but they both speak highly of each other so i'm sure they're both looking forward to it i'm hoping that both of them will be at scarefest the following weekend we'll be we'll be there keith is usually out there and james yeah, is scarefest is awesome i'm hoping that i'll be able to start going to all the conventions here soon i just uh with a commitment to helping people in private cases, you can't always just, it's not about being a celebrity. It's about helping people. So I'm sometimes, I mean, I'm very busy. A lot of people complain about James and thinks that he gives them the runaround. That man gets like 2000 emails a day. It's amazing. So he's constantly busy. You know, um, He's got I so have, many emails. He has to have somebody help him go through the emails. It's amazing. Yeah. That's what I do. I take care of like, if there's any cases in Kentucky, I usually am the one that handles them. I'll drive up to three hours just to help somebody. Uh, I don't care. I've slept in my car just to because uh, there was no hotels available. But you got to do what you got to do. Uh, Georgetown case I did with Miranda's case. That was 
that was pretty scary. But, uh, you know, we had to bless the family and we had to bless the home. You know, it's something else that you kind of touched on without knowing you touched on it. You know, I've talked to Bishop Long multiple times about cases and, you know, he will pick up and he will drive and spend three or four days, five days, six days on the road, spending money for a hotel and all that. Uh, and might be, you know, at a place 12 hours away. And he doesn't charge for this. He asked that hopefully, that he, you know, maybe there's a donation that'll cover at least the expenses, but he's not making money off of these deals. No, he never does. He doesn't, I never charge for he don't get his expenses. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. But people see Bishop Long on television and stuff, and you hear him being an exorcist. I'm sure there's a fair amount of people that think, oh, he probably charges out the wazoo to this and that. He doesn't charge. He doesn't no, he charge. Doesn't. And, and most of the time, he loses money on it. Yeah, he uh, he has – he's a very generous person. We was hanging out one time at the Peddler's Mall, and um, there was this girl that – I'll let stay with me temporarily and I was helping her get back on her feet and she was able to get back on her feet and get back with her family. So that's good. And I guess this, uh, she always wanted to like a little fireplace and we was at Peddler's mall and she was looking at one and James just bought it for, her. didn't care that it was a hundred bucks because it's something that he knew that she wanted. He knew that she'd been through a lot. And uh, so that's just the type of person that he is. That's in the, and, and that's the thing, James, is an incredible person. He took a vow of a, a vow of poverty. So he doesn't he doesn't do anything for the money. Hey, he's done some of these television shows for free, because and when he does, he's got his charity obviously that that uh, helping out uh, uh, women that have been abused and stuff like that. I mean, I, any money he gets goes to that. He is just yeah, it he does. An he amazing pays, individual. He pays women's electric bills when their husbands like beat them and left them things like that. He does it all the time. Yeah, top notch, and I couldn't think of anybody better for you to learn from. So, and I'm sure you. Well, feel the uh, same. I'm very, I'm very happy and very lucky to have him in my life. You're not too bad yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I, trust me. I we try, but but Bishop Long is on a different level than we are, and uh, I, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit that at all because he he takes everything so serious, and and he really spends every second of his day trying to help somebody else. I think you and your wife should do cosplay sometime, dress up uh, some scary characters. You guys would do great. I was watching an episode of Tales from the Crypt last night. It was the one with uh, Ventriloquist when he had the hand that was his brother. Oh, you yeah. look. You could pull that you could pull that guy off, man. <laughs> so. You know, it's funny funny we were talking about uh I had the interview earlier with you was with Wes Forsyth who's uh you know, at Scarefest, and uh, he had John Kasser on, which was the voice of the Crypt Keeper from Tales oh, of the wow. Crypt a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about that, so it's funny that this gets brought up when we're recording this uh, just shortly after I finished that interview. Oh, that's wild. I, I like Tales from the Crypt. I've always been a fan. Um, oh, same here. I love X-Files. I guess I was born and breeded into the paranormal. Everybody wanted to be Fox Motor when you were growing up. So. You know, I had a hard time getting into X-Files when it was on. And now really? I went back a couple of years ago and started watching it. When when they came out with the reboot, mm -hmm. I watched those. And then I went back and started watching the other ones. I'm like, why didn't I like this back then? This is pretty damn good. But you, just, you're, you were just a different person. You know, you were uh, 
in a different place. I was a professional BMXer back in the day. You remember that? So like I didn't yeah. really, I was doing magic. So, you know, my, I wasn't watching stuff or getting new things, you know? And when we were younger, we loved the paranormal, but all we had was documentaries and specials and ghost stories. It wasn't like yeah. episodes with evidence. See, because of technology and cameras and smartphones, things like that, we now have ghost hunting shows because we have technology to show the evidence that we're collecting. Back then, we just watched stories. It's still like that with UFOs because they're more rare, but UFO sightings are becoming more frequent because people just happen to have cell phones with cameras on them yeah. now. Eventually, they can't hide anything anymore. That's why they said, F it. UFOs are yeah. real. We can't hide it. <laughs> hey, I want to touch on this because you reminded me now because I almost forgot that you were a magician at one time, but you, you've got some, uh, a pretty cool background in magic. You perform with some big time people. And if I remember correctly, you've got something that's kind of like uh, a feat that nobody else has done. Do I, did I remember that correctly? Yeah. That's the, uh, the walk of pain. It's when I walk across the 12 inch roof spiker nails one at a time. Uh, it's just in my, it's, it's more of a mind over matter demonstration. And I think from years of training in martial arts, I was just able to put myself in that place. And I'll just, you know, anything that I do, Jerry, I'm just very passionate about. And I will try, like you said before, I think you said that I try to perfection everything I do to make it the best I can. I think you called me Forrest Gump or something. <laughs> um, so I just like, you know, it's just a challenge. I want to be able to well, do anything I can. Let me make sure people understand. When I called you Forrest Gump, <laughs> it was because you've done so many different things. I mean, you've been a magician. You've been in the military. You've been, uh, you've performed with some fantastic magicians out there. You, you're you in the paranormal field, You, but you've succeeded in everything that you've done. And that's what I meant by the Forrest Gump comment. Because, uh, you know, in, in Forrest Gump, he had done so many different things, but he succeeded at every one of them. And you're kind of in that same situation. And that's uh, that's actually a pretty good comparison, I think, just because of, of well, that stand. Well, I appreciate So let's, let's cover a couple of things real quick before we get off here. Mm -hmm. Who all have you been able to perform with in Magic? Who were your idols and who did you actually get to perform with? Well, uh, Lance Burton is a really nice guy. And uh, Christopher. He's from Kentucky. Yes, he is. He's actually from the South End. And um, I've seen his house uh, several times and uh, passed the school all the time right there. And it was a crumbs lane. So, mm -hmm. and um, I was uh, at Caulfields. I grew up at Caulfields uh, talking to Maddie and everybody before he passed away. Uh, you know, he, Lance used to work there. And so I felt like if uh, Lance could do it from Louisville, Kentucky, then so could I. And um, then David Blaine was on. When I was BMX and I got hurt, I was in the hospital and I seen Chris Angel on there and it just blew my mind away. I was like, this guy's awesome. He can do it on the street. This is exactly what Siegfried and Roy wanted. Take it from the stage to the street. This is awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I started doing it. And then I was modeling at the time for Cosmo. And then right under the Cosmo modeling agency was the liquor store. Well, in the liquor store, they had this really, really cool 
skeleton cutout of like a Bacardi uh, advertisement and it had a top hat. So I was like, oh man, I want this for my studio. I'm a magician. I want to talk to the guys. You know, hey man, I'm a magician. I want this. Can I buy this? You throwing it away. What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, really? His uh, husband was putting together this big movie premiere at City Block, downtown Louisville. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like this big zombie movie or something. So he, uh, I did this demonstration for him, and then he said, that's awesome. He called his husband right there in the spot, and I was at the right place at the right time. I met them a couple of days later. They paid me $1,000 to do a five-minute act. I had only done street magic, so I didn't really have anything. So me and my brother, we came up with uh, the walk of pain. So I trained myself and performed that within a week. And then I just kept doing that. And then that gained the attention of Clayton from a band called Cell Dweller, which is actually really good friends with Chris Angel. They did a lot of stuff and they used to be in a band called Angel Dust together. Well, I was like, hey, man, I love your music. You know, I use it when I perform to walk a pain to get me in the zone. They were like, that's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. One thing led to another uh, social media. And next thing you know, I'm in Vegas hanging out with the. Uh, Chris Angel. So, you know, it's just, it was crazy. It was a really fun time in my life and I had a lot of fun and uh, I wouldn't change any minute of it. But Okay. So I, I, I want people to wrap their heads around this. Think about what you just heard. First of all, you were a very accomplished BMX rider. Mm-hmm. I still have my bike downstairs and then I still have my original frame uh, hanging on so, the wall. But you had Big name sponsors. This was how you made a living. And then you had a really bad accident. Tell tell everybody about the bad accident. Well, I don't like to talk about it too much. But what I can tell you is that, you know, back in the 80s, everybody was doing, I was trying to do the single backflip. In the movie Rad, they had the one guy back in the 80s that could do a single backflip. Then Dave Mira came out and he did the double backflip, which actually Jay Miron did before, first on a TV show special. Um, and then that was it at the time. I was on the vert ramp and I was trying to do something crazy, trying to do a double flare back in the day before no one had done it. And I just over-rotated and I hit my head on the coping, which is the rail that you grind or stall your pegs on. And I, they said that I slid down and the bike landed on me. I woke up in the hospital and uh, my kidneys was indented, had broken ribs, and at the back of my head it got indented. And uh, unfortunately, I had a bunch of seizures and I died. And then um, I had to go through the healing process. And that's why I was in the hospital so long. And that's when I seen Chris Angel on the hospital TV. And I was like, hey, this guy's awesome. So I guess I knew that I couldn't do the career that I had anymore, but I'd fell in love with something else because I didn't want to be miserable. And uh, I guess it worked out. And uh, I, I don't really do magic that much anymore, but if I had the right setup, there still would want to do this one stunt that no one's done before, but I don't think my family will let me. <laughs> All right. So this is, I kind of cut myself off, but this was what I wanted to prove a point. You were an accomplished bmx rider this is how you made a living you were also a model for cosmopolitan you get injured while you're in the hospital during a very long recuperation you see magic on tv through the david blaines and through the uh, uh chris angel 
and you're like, I want to do that. And you set your mind to it. Next thing you know, you're doing a, a trick nobody else does. And then you end up getting to go meet your idol and hang out with them, do all this stuff. That's remarkable. And when I and when I make a Forrest Gump comment, that's what I'm talking about. Because if, if that was a movie, if you just put all this in a movie, people would say, that's too unbelievable. But that happened. And then it's happened after that. Because I've never really thought about that before. That's crazy. I mean, really, you would. If 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 I didn't know you and if I didn't know this stuff was true, I'd say you're just bullshitting. He's just it, Draven's just a bullshit artist. But I get I that a lot. That so I have true. to I feel like I have to rub it in people's face, but I don't. I'm just telling them about my life. And when they see this stuff, they're like, oh wow. You're... So when people that's why I think it's an inspiration to people that that maybe they've had an accident, maybe they've got a little bit of a disability, or maybe they've got something that life doesn't end just because you had to change paths on what you were doing. You probably no, it doesn't. dreams of I being a BMX rider forever. You know, Sometimes when bad things happen, it's a blessing in disguise. All heroes have to have a traumatic event to become great. So, you know, um, I've been through a lot and I learned my lessons and I learned what was more important. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the path that I'm on. Everything happens for a reason. But I'm more happy now than I was back then, to be honest. Just, uh, I just like helping people and I meeting new people and I've gotten a great amount of friends now and family supporting me. And I'm just, uh, hoping that I'm going to be able to continue down this road for as long as I can helping people and hopefully getting more people to open up to the paranormal like everybody else is nowadays. Uh, seems like the paranormal is more popular than ever. I agree. Draven, it's been a blast. Can't wait to spend some time with you in a couple of days at Bobby Mackey's. Tell everybody how they can keep up with uh, everything you got going on. You can follow me on Facebook with Draven to Spain. And also you can go to the Paranormal Video page on Facebook. And I will be posting everything and keeping you up to date on what's going on in the day and life of Draven to Spain as I continue my journey into the paranormal. Awesome. Brother, I love you and I'll talk to you soon. All right. I love you guys. I will see you soon. You have a good night. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. Hope you enjoyed that. Draven is a character. We're going to be trying to do a live event with him in uh, Louisville up in April. So once we get the details worked out, we'll do that. But we're trying to get him and Bishop Long at the same event. That'll be cool. That will be very cool. We hope you guys have a blessed week and we will talk to you next week.